Thursday, October the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Iran comes back to the table and Democrats bicker over billionaires. First, the world in brief. Iran agreed to restart negotiations over the nuclear deal by the end of November, its top negotiator said. The pact's fate has long been uncertain. After Donald Trump abandoned it during his presidency, Joe Biden reversed course in April, only for Ibrahim Raisi, Iran's new hardline president, to retreat from negotiations in June. Meanwhile, Iran has enriched uranium to just about weapons grade. Democrats in America's Senate unveiled a novel wealth tax and a 15% minimum corporate tax to pay for their ambitious social spending package. Some 700 people with $1 billion in assets or $100 million in income for three consecutive years would pay a one-time tax on tradable assets. But Joe Manchin, a senator from West Virginia, who casts a make-or-break vote, called it, quote, divisive. Third point, an activist hedge fund with a $750 million stake in Royal Dutch Shell urged the oil company to do more to decarbonize. Daniel Loeb, Third Point's chief executive, called Shell's current strategy, quote, incoherent and suggested it split into two companies, one green and one, quote, legacy. Shell, which reports third quarter earnings on Thursday, said it, quote, welcomes open dialogue with all shareholders. The Lancet published a study showing that fluvoxamine, a cheap and common antidepressant, could provide an effective treatment for COVID-19. In a large-scale clinical trial in Brazil, COVID-positive patients who took fluvoxamine were 32% less likely to be hospitalised than those on a placebo. The drug's low cost and track record for safety would make it a promising alternative to existing therapies. Portugal's parliament rejected the budget bill proposed by the minority socialist government, potentially triggering snap elections two years ahead of schedule. Two hard-left parties, who had previously supported the centre-left government, joined the Conservatives to defeat the bill. Portugal's president, Marcelo Rebelo de Sousa, warned that he would dissolve parliament without a last-minute deal, ending six years of relative stability. The European Commission opened an in-depth investigation into chip-making giant NVIDIA's proposed $40 billion takeover of Arm, a British chip designer, over concerns that it would reduce competition. The tie-up could, quote, restrict or degrade access by NVIDIA's competitors to Arm's technology, said Margaret Vestager, the Commission's competition chief. Regulators in Britain have voiced similar unease with the deal. Hong Kong's legislature passed a censorship law banning films that violate, quote, national security interests. It is yet another blow to the city's now obliterated reputation for free speech and will dampen creativity in a film industry that was once world famous. Filmmakers found guilty of violating the law face up to three years in jail and fines of up to 1 million Hong Kong dollars, 128,400 US dollars. And fact of the day, 85%, the amount by which passenger numbers at airports have dropped since the pandemic struck. 
vaccine passports are causing problems of their own. And now, here's today's agenda. Down but not out. America's economy. America's turbocharged recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic is done. The economy is expected to have grown at an annual rate of about 3% in the third quarter, down from 6.7% in the second quarter, according to data due to be released on Thursday. There were two major drags. First, the spread of the Delta variant of COVID-19 undermined confidence just as Americans were starting to travel for their summer holidays. Second, congested supply chains have weighed on output. Yet glum headlines about the slowdown will be misleading. The nature of growth reporting, the annualization of quarterly rates, overstates swings. Early figures from October, in fact, showed a rebound in consumer confidence as the Delta variant recedes. Ports remain backlogged, but a shift in spending towards services, such as at restaurants and away from online shopping, will ease some of the pressure. Even if growth is weaker, the economy is still healing. Down memory lane. Samsung's results. Samsung Electronics, a chips-to-smartphones behemoth, announced record-breaking quarterly revenues on Thursday. Its vice chairman, Lee Jae-yong, is newly out of prison. The third-generation scion of the founding family had served time for his part in a bribery scandal. It was known that Samsung's numbers would be strong and they did not disappoint. Operating profits rose by 28% year-on-year to 15.8 trillion won, $13.2 billion. The company has benefited during the pandemic from soaring demand for electronics and resulting hunger for its semiconductor chips. Detail on the performance of its four main divisions, memory and logic chips, screen displays, smartphones and home appliances, helped assuage analysts' worry that Samsung's biggest earner, the memory chip business, is about to tumble. Expectations of a down cycle have weighed on the firm's share price, which at one point was down by 23% since a peak scaled in January. The firm may also have an update on a $17 billion semiconductor factory it plans to build in Texas, its second on American soil. Zoom Sanctions The ASEAN Summit The Association of Southeast Asian Nations' main annual summit is supposed to showcase unruffled harmony among the bloc's 10 members. But this week's three-day virtual meeting, hosted by Brunei, was notably different. The space on the screen intended for Myanmar's representative was left blank. General Minong Leng, who in February ousted and imprisoned Aung San Suu Kyi and her elected government before turning the army's guns on Myanmar's citizens, was not invited. It was the most severe sanction against a member since ASEAN's founding in 1967. Non-interference has its limits. A limp response to the coup risks damaging ASEAN's international relevance. Members are watching the great power rivalry between America and China with concern. President Joe Biden confirmed he would drop in on the summit only after Myanmar had been excluded. 
his presence is a relief to Southeast Asian leaders. Xi Jinping, China's president, and Li Keqiang, its prime minister, are ASEAN perennials. Circular Firing Squad Spain's Budget As Pedro Sánchez, Spain's Prime Minister, battles for his economic policy this week, he is fighting on all fronts. The Conservative opposition think he is a liar. Podemos, his far-left junior coalition partner, is also causing problems. They want to scrap a labour market reform of 2012 that made employment more flexible. Mr Sanchez's socialists merely want to tinker with it. If that were not enough, a radical Basque party, whose votes the minority government needs, implied that it would support the forthcoming budget only in exchange for the release from prison of militants convicted during the long terrorist campaign for Basque independence, which formally ended in 2011. The party's leader later denied an explicit quid pro quo and said his comments were misconstrued. Catalan separatists, whom the government also needs for the budget, said they wanted quotas to ensure Catalan language is represented on streaming platforms. With friends like these, Mr Sanchez hardly needs an opposition. A life in colour. Mary Quant. She called the miniskirt, quote, the most self-indulgent, optimistic, look at me, isn't life wonderful fashion ever devised. Mary Quant, a British designer famed for a retail empire that became stratospherically popular in the 1960s, did not invent the mini, but she was certainly its champion. Her clothes were a riot of colour, thigh-skimming dresses with Peter Pan collars, candy-coloured tights, PVC raincoats and daisy logos, cleverly marketed and mass-produced. Quant, a documentary telling the story of her life and clothes, has its premiere in Britain on Friday. Directed by Sadie Frost, an English actress and fashion designer, it features Edward Ennefel, British Vogue's editor-in-chief, Kate Moss, a supermodel, and Vivian Westwood, a fashion designer. Disappointingly, it is too reliant on gushing interviews to really do this complex designer justice. But it does celebrate the ways in which Miss Quant broke the mould. At a time when twin sets and pearls were the norm, she offered something exciting, clothes that women could move in freely. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Desiderius Erasmus. Your library is your paradise. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 